Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, and I just wanted to tell you about the ways to follow me. So if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what platform you're on, but I'm on all of the podcast platforms, Google, Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and you can also follow me on my social media for those of you who found me through your podcast platform and not on social media. Some people have been following me on Instagram or Facebook, and that's how they learned about the podcast. But for those of you who learned about my podcast first, please feel free to follow me on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. The doctor is abbreviated as DR, and there's no period, so it's DR Delvina, which is spelled D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. And let's see, I have a website. I mentioned before that the website was under construction, but the website is up and good to go. It is Dr. Delvina Help. So again, the DR is abbreviated DR, D as in Delta, E L, V as in Victor, E N A, Help, H E L P as in Papa.com, Dr. Delvina Help.com. So please. Go to my website, take a look, peruse the site, and see what's going on there. And uh, I'm also, let's see, where else am I? I'm in SoundCloud as well, but I'm not as active on SoundCloud as I am with my um, with my podcast. You know, this podcast has been up since May 2020 during the pandemic. And um, I just love talking about the brain and helping to educate people about their mental health and wellness so please spread the word, tell a neighbor, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a loved one, tell a significant other, tell your ex. If there's something I've t- I touched on that really that you identify with and you want to share it with someone, share it, please. You know who it is. It's Dr. Dalvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida, and the host of the Brain Love Podcast. You're listening right now to Melky Jean, and the name of this song is This Could Be. such a beautiful voice and she brought that voice on the couch tonight to share her to share her energy to talk about her life a little bit about her childhood and how she came to become in the music industry she is the sister of Wyclef Jean I won't even say the younger sister because she is the only girl in the family I'm pretty sure um, she is the sister of Wyclef Jean, and um, 
She is just a workaholic and a creative and has done so many things. She's a singer, a born natural singer, by the way, a songwriter, an author, a director, and humanitarian. And um, she has done some badass stuff out here. She has a song on one of my favorite movies, which is Love Jones, um, their breakout single. She is the voice of Sanai Lathan in HBO's Disappearing Acts. And I saw her perform just, I want to say, two months ago. She performed um, at the Big Brother Big Sisters Gala with her brother Wyclef. And when I tell you that was just one of the best nights of my musical life, it was so much fun. It was just, um, it was just, a, a, we had a ball. I was hanging out with uh, some of my brothers, not my blood brothers, but my brothers, you know? You have to have people in your circle who, um, who match your energy. So I was hanging out with Dexter Bridgman. Connie invited us, um, Eric Knowles, and some other folks, and we just enjoyed ourselves so much. I danced on stage. Yeah, so it was, it was it was wonderful. It was a trip. And I just helped Melky celebrate her birthday recently. She had a birthday party that was so, 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 so dope. She had uh, mermaids, and she has this beautiful dog, and all this stuff just matches her character. So tonight we're on the couch, and we're talking about everything, including some mental health stuff. Because as you guys know, uh, May was Mental Health Awareness Month. June is Black Music Month or African American Music Appreciation Month. But we're going into, um, this is another song by Melky that just came on, New Jersey Love. Because Melky is from New Jersey. Um, she was raised in New Jersey. Um, so July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. That begins in a few days. So she's just sitting on the couch with me, and we're talking about different things. She is just open and transparent. She talks about some challenges she had during the pandemic, some mental health challenges. Please join us on the couch and listen to this this, this lady. Um, she is such a diva, y'all. And I can't wait to share this interview with you. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey, guys, it's Sunday night again. And, you know, I've been telling you that June is Black Music Month. You guys know May was Mental Health Awareness Month. And next month is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And I've just been breezing through and, and meeting and talking with people on the couch who I feel have just been, you know, major players in the music industry, as well as major players in the mental health and wellness space. And on the couch tonight, you won't believe who I have on the couch tonight. Like, I am so blessed that she has taken time out of her schedule to come and talk to little old me because this lady is busy. If you could see her freaking bio, yo. Welcome to the couch, Melky. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Are you ready to take the couch? I am ready to take the couch, baby. I was hoping you would say that. Mm -hmm. So for folks who may not know, which if you're not, I guess if you watch movies, if you listen to music, if you are the type of person that's so into music, you're looking at the credits, you want to see who wrote this lyric, you want to know who sang it, you want to know who Wyclef Jean 
is so is always talking about when he does shows and he does interviews he's talking about this queen his sister this lady on the couch tonight who's a singer a songwriter an author a director a humanitarian a philanthropist and she's also the younger sister of fuji's founder wyclef jean you have your bio man is just fire you have so much in your bio milky thank you baby <laughs> And I'm so, just getting started. <laughs> man. I'm just getting started. Man, you know what? And what I'll say about your comment about just getting started, that makes me think of all the entrepreneurs and the business folks who say, never feel like you're accomplished, never feel like you make it because there's always work to be done. And that's basically exactly. what you're saying. Exactly. Because I feel like, you know, we've come so far. You know, my parents, my family came from Haiti. You know, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, raised in New Jersey. And I remember being a little girl and saying, okay, this is what I wanted to accomplish. And every time I reached one of those accomplishments, I always pushed myself further. And so at this point in my life, I just feel like there's so much more that I need to do. There's so much, so many more lives that I need to touch. And there's just so many more things that I just need to do for Melky. Wow, man. That's that's awesome. And so, you know what? I'm going to start the interview there. I'm going to start with Melky as a child, as a kid, because you just mentioned as a little girl, you had things you wanted to accomplish. And people always look at folks who they deem as made it and they wonder, OK, what was their childhood like? What was it like in, in high school? What were they doing? Were, was she working on her craft? Was she working on music? Was she in singing lessons? Tell people, yeah. what were you doing to create this 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 person, to create your career, to be where you are now in this space? What did you do as a kid or as a teen? Great question. Well, I started singing when I was about two years old. My mom says that I started singing before I could even talk. Wow. And my parents were missionaries and my dad was a minister. And so um, I was um, the number four out of five children. And I was the first girl to be born after three boys. And so our lives were very much all church, all day, every night, every day. Like literally we went to church, um, had one day off a week from church. Um, but I always like to tell people that that's where my foundation came from because people go, you've been through so much in life, you know, you guys, your family, um, but what is your foundation? My foundation will always be um, my faith. Um, and no, I'm not one of those Bible token, you know, like, you know, you'll find me in the club, baby. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> I'm one of those. I'll be in the club on Saturday and church on Sunday. That's me, you know, but um, that's where my foundation was. But I want to say that that's where I learned how to really just perform. Um, if you ever come to our shows, like it's really a performance. We try to give people a performance, much like you would see in church and you go, you see the gospel choir. But I want to say the most influential thing for me was going to the Newark School of the Performing Arts, um, which is where I learned how to sing opera, which was where I learned how to score music. Um, I probably wrote my very first song um, when I was 10 years old. Wow. And I, and I remember um, the gentleman, he passed away, but he was a very famous Haitian singer, Christian singer who was um, at the time he was sick. And my parents had taken him in and he was living at the house. I was less than 10. I might have been about seven years old. Um, and he loved my singing voice. And I said, I want to write a song. And he said, well, how do you know how to write a song? I said, it's in my head. Um, you know, um, mm. I hear it in my head. And he said, what do you hear in your head? And I started to sing the melody. And then he goes, this is how you write it. And he had me write it out like a poem. 
And ever since that day, poetry, all my poems became songs and all my songs came from poetry. Sometimes a song can just come from a melody in your head. Sometimes a song can come from an idea or something that you went through. Or like me, I'm an empath. If you're my girlfriend and you're going through something, I'm sitting there crying with you holding your hands. And then I find that I, I'm internalizing your feelings. And then I can't hold on to that. So you know what I do? I write it down. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. For some reason, something has really hit me. You struck a, a chord, a nerve. Like, that is so, um, the things that you're saying is so prominent. It's just so, so, something moving about it. To be seven years old, to be mm. seven, and to yeah. feel it in your, your soul and your spirit that you... Yeah have something to share with people in, in the form of a melody or a musical yeah. talent. That's, that's just so impressive. And I know God well, given, God given. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, people will say, how do you write a song? And, and there's so many ways that songs come about. I can tell you that I can just be walking around the house and I'll just hear a melody. And then I'll call one of my producers and I'll hum the melody to them. And they'll be like, okay, I'm like, all right, make a track around this melody. Um, and then sometimes I can't even, um, you know, I always tell people that music is my therapy. So when I'm going through something in my personal life or just in life in general, I write it. I write it. I sing it. I feel it. You know, um, one of my, um, and I, I'd love to share this story with you, but one of my greatest mentors was the late, great Betty, Betty Wright. And I remember when I first met Betty, um, my managers at the time had brought her to the studio because she was just somebody that I loved so much because she had this, even though I didn't grow up listening to soul music, would you believe that? I never listened to soul music. I didn't start to hear um, soul music, secular soul music till I was in high school. Yeah, I was about and, to tease that out. You mean, so it was mainly the the church, religious music, gospel. Right. Right, religious music, gospel music, and more so Caribbean gospel music. Like I was listening wow. to um, American gospel music, and I was intricate. Uh, I was putting it in the church, which was very different. And so I remember, like there were comp there was one particular competition that I, I had entered, and they gave me second place because they was like, she's singing, she's not singing the traditional way, because mm -hmm. I was singing with runs as opposed to singing straight. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I had picked up you know, listening to gospel music, American, Black American gospel music. But it was just something that just just spoke to my soul, um, you know, and being from Haiti, but being raised in America, it's like, you know, I like to say it's like a soup, like a gumbo that's being created. And so I have all of these energies that, that are coming at me. And it's funny because Clef is known for the hip hop and he's known for the reggae and, the, and, and putting those things together. And we were raised in the same household but I'm more like a neoclassic soul jazz laid back type of chick. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you mentioned opera. So yeah. um, <laughs> I've heard you sing. I've heard you perform. So I know, um, I know you have range. You have a beautiful voice. You have a natural voice. Thank um, you. Sometimes I ask people, how did you learn how to sing? But clearly you addressed that you were, God gave you the gift to sing. Um, Absolutely. And it reminds me of um, I watched the the movie they created for Aretha Franklin and a similar story. Just saw that. You just saw it. I can totally relate, you know, growing up in, in the church, you know, 
Um, I could totally relate. I know for me, um, I have so many different voices that one of the challenges that I had was trying to figure out who I wanted to be and at what time, because of course I sing opera and there's a song called Mia Moore um, on the on the Melky Sadek album. Um, you should check it out. But at the end of it, I'm in my full operatic voice and I have that church soul. But then I have this voice that I developed from working on when I was going to work on Disappearing Acts. And right before I worked on Disappearing Acts was when I met Betty Wright. And she was like, um, I was so excited to meet her because she was this famous soul singer. And the minute that, and she was, she was actually at the Hit Factory working with Jennifer Lopez at the time. And she came to meet little old me. And I mean, like, I was like, I was like, high school, I mean, high school, I'm a baby. And I'm just happy to be meeting her. And, um, and I'm excited and, and I'm ready to sing. And, and I, I wanted to cover one of her songs. And she had said to me, she was like, baby girl, you were just a baby. You're not ready for this song yet. <laughs> and I was like, huh? She was like, you a baby. You haven't lived yet. You know, I'm trying to sing tonight is the night that you make me a woman. And, and I don't know nothing about being a woman yet. And mama looking at me like, baby girl. And she was like, listen, you can sing. You got some pipes, honey. But I want you to stop singing and I want you to start feeling. Mm. And I was like, wow, what does that mean? You know, and then within that year, I want to say um, I got the call to be the voice of Sanaa Lathan's um, in Disappearing Acts. But I didn't know at the time if I had if I got the job or not. But when I went into the audition and I started to write the songs for the movie, I went in and all I did was feel. You know, I didn't try to be perfect. I didn't try to hit every note perfectly. I went in and I just felt, I just felt it. And I felt my way through. And the director, Gina Prince-Bythewood, who is actually the woman who directed um, Woman King. Um, you know, I love it because I, I, I watch wow. them. And I watch where they are. And I know that they're part of my history and, and who I am and who helped form me into the woman that I am today. And I remember, and she was like, you're the voice of Sanaa. Nice. And I remember I beat out a lot of more popular, you know, women at the time. And and for me, with everything that I do, that's one of the one of my favorite projects to have worked on, because it's kind of cool where people don't realize that there's so many different types of jobs in the in, in the entertainment industry. It's not always about being up front and being in the camera all the time. Sometimes yeah. it can, you know, be behind the cameras, behind the scenes, writing and creating or doing voiceovers. And you're just as relevant. Um, if not more, because those checks are coming right to you, right to your publishing, than a lot of people who are right in front of the camera who don't even own their own image. So, so that was a gem, guys. You heard her say that there's so many different jobs in the industry. You don't have to be on Front Street. You can be behind the scenes and make more money, probably in a lot in a lot of cases. Um, before we go on, I just want to give folks a little bit more from your bio because I just jumped into the interview. Um, guys, she has so much deliciousness in her history. I need you to know about it. She's a Grammy-nominated songwriter. She has written for artists like Sinead O'Connor, Regina Bell. Um, you heard her mention the work that she's done with Disappearing Acts. And also, she is one of the vocals that's found on the artist uh, Carlos Santana's album. Is it The Shaman? Is that how that's Yeah, pronounced? The Shaman. Uh -huh. 
She contributed to one of my favorite movies, Love Jones. That is like <laughs> one of the my favorite <laughs> just dating, romance, couple, love yeah. relationship movies. Um, she's also been on It Looks Like Little Nikki, Two Can Play That Game, The Hurricane. Um, of course, you know that she has performed with her brother, but she has also opened up for groups like The Roots, The Black Eyed Peas, Outkast. So like some major players in hip hop, but also powerhouses in the singing industry like Patti LaBelle. Mama, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's so much more to to Melky's bio. Before we go on with the interview, Melky, do you have a website people can go on and just check it out while they're listening to us chat? Absolutely. My website is MelkyShine.com. All right, guys. So, you know, that's M-E-L-K-Y-J-E-A-N.com. And I apologize that I can't say Jean the No, the you're actually doing a pretty way. good job. You're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I just want to mention that she's been highly publicized on national news and uh, stations like CNN, Fox News, MTV, MSNBC, The New York Post, Essence Magazine, Hip Hop Weekly, Sister to Sister Magazine. I remember that magazine, man. Sister to Sister, I used to read that all the time back in the day. So, all right. We are. We know that you're a spiritual person. We know you're a feeler. We know that uh, energy is important to you. Um this is going to sound like a silly question, but I have to ask it just so you can just plainly state it. How important is mental health and wellness to you? Mental well, mental health and wellness for me is, is not negotiable um, in terms of as a woman, as a black woman um, growing up in the United States, there's a lot of energy and a lot of things that come our way. And not for nothing, we're resilient and we're strong. And a lot of times it looks like we're getting through everything that we're going through. And then sometimes it just hits you. And I had that experience where um, I recently, over the past couple of years, which a lot of people wouldn't know, but I'm very open about talking about it because I think that um, my journey can help other women, was that over the past couple of years, um, I developed panic attacks out of nowhere literally panic attacks. So imagine you spend your entire life on stage and then all of a sudden you're having a panic attack, you're having an anxiety attack and you're not knowing where it came from. And what I realized was that I was taking all of this time and giving all of this energy to everybody else and I wasn't taking the time for me. Mm -hmm. So even as much as recently with everything that I had going on, I took, um, after COVID, I took 30 days where um, I told management, I told my family, I told everybody that these 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 30 days are for me. Um, don't call me, let me live in my space. Let me heal myself. Let me pray, let me meditate. Let me remove myself from all of the energy that's coming at me that I don't have control over and let me start to move again at my own pace. And luckily for me, I have a beautiful and supportive family um, who understands me, who want me to be well at all times. And that's not the case for everybody. But it is so important for you to prioritize your mental health, because when you hit that wall, you know, some of us, we hit that wall and we need help. We need to be able to talk to somebody. 
we hit that wall and we need to be able to get back up. And, and, and for some of us, that's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm so glad you mentioned anxiety, panic attacks, because anxiety is a very common mental illness worldwide, not just in America. Yeah. But one in four people experience some sort of uh, anxiety issue or challenges and panic disorder is common. People automatically assume because someone is a performer, because they can get on stage in front of people, that right. they never have issues with anxiety, which I think most of us know. Beyonce mentioned and admitted one time that she, too, suffered from performance anxiety. So wow, I didn't happen. even know that. She did. Yeah. Yeah. It can happen to so many people and a lot, a lot of singers and athletes, professional athletes have even stepped up and said, like Kevin Love, I remember one year during the, the uh, playoffs, not the finals, during the playoffs, he had an anxiety attack. So wow. anxiety is one of these things that, um, you know, can just sneak up on you. There's no rhyme or reason. People are always like, well, what's wrong? What's going on with it? Sometimes there's nothing wrong. Um, and sometimes right. it's, it's what you said. You just need to pull the plug. You know, we have to do yeah. that with our computers and our TVs sometimes yeah. to reset them. Yeah. So why wouldn't we do it for ourselves? Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well put. So what are you doing these days to to balance? Because now you're back on the scene. We know that you're back out here. I saw you perform a couple of weeks ago (laughs) at a fundraising gala. Oh, my God, man. Your show, like you and your brother, just you guys brought it. That show was fire. So if anyone, if you ever seen that they are on, if Melky is on the line up, you must, you got to be there. You have to be there because I had so much fun that night. I can't even... I can't even explain how much fun I had. <laughs> ah, so I'm getting that all distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so we know you're back on the scene. You're doing your yep. thing again. What are you working on currently before you answer the question about how you're managing your your balance, your mental health, the things you're doing to stay balanced? What are you working on now? Well, this year I decided that I was going to be releasing new music every couple of months. Um, so this past year, I want to say I released two really cool singles. And um, by the end of the summer, I want to release two more singles. I really just want to kind of throw a little bit of the vibe out there before I put out, a, you know, another full-fledged album. You know, I don't know if I'm ready to give the world another album yet, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like birth and a baby. But being someone like me who writes constantly, I always have this music. So I looked at, you know, when you look at your computer, you've got like a thousand songs. And, you know, I'm sure somebody wants to hear this I'm sure somebody could relate to this right now so I'm definitely putting out new music um and for the summertime I will of course be doing dates um with with Wyclef wherever he is whenever you see whenever you see him nine times out of ten I'm probably back there backing him up um which is a joy for me you know I love um I love performing I love performing with my brother I also love performing with my own band um you know I just love performing that's when I'm my happiest when I'm on stage and that was something that I had to learn because for um, for a few years, I didn't perform at all. Um, I didn't get on stage, you know. And I, and I remember when, when Wyclef was like, babe, you're like, it's like, what are you doing? You're a singer. You forgot who you were, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, we back on the road. And he just dragged me. He said, come on, you know, get your mojo back. And I needed that so much because when you're, um, at least for me as a real creative, I'm a real creative person. I could create 24-7 and be happy. But sometimes you you can just get stuck in that creative space and just be in that bubble, you know. Um, so it's very important for me to to be out there performing and being out there with the people, 
Um, I do a lot of work with the Karma Foundation. Just a couple of weeks ago, we did head to toe makeovers for seniors in North Miami. Because um, I think it's very important to, I always say at the Karma Foundation, I like to deal with women and children, but I also like to specify where women who feel like they don't have a voice. And it turns out that a lot of women over 60, it's like you get a certain age and as women, you know, they try to put this age thing on us as if we're not relevant anymore. But then it's okay, like when a man turns over 60, then he's debonair and he's this and he's that. And, but for women, you know, we found that a lot of times it's very difficult for women. And so we did head to toe makeovers for women over 60. And let me tell you, Doc, there wasn't one dry <laughs> eye in the, like we, me and my team and my crew from the Karma Foundation um, and Natural Trendsetters, my girl, Simone, um, who, who does natural hair and whose salon did all of the women's hair. At the end of this, when I tell you those, we thought we were breathing life into those women, those women breathed both life into us. Nice. Okay. Nice. We were all in tears. Um, and it was just a matter of being able to fellowship you know, since COVID, it's like we're in this dynamic where everybody's kind of like, you know, and like, that's not who we are. Like, we're people, we're human beings. We're supposed to reach out and touch each other, hug mm -hmm. each other. Like, I'm a hugger, mm -hmm. you know, and love up on each other. I mean, that's like the basic instinct of our survival. When yeah. you think back to COVID, I think one of the hardest things was when you got sick, right, that you couldn't see anybody, mm. that nobody could be around you. Because part of getting better is just being around people and someone just holding you or touching you and saying, are you okay? And so those are the things that I, I really want to get into. The foundation has some great things we're going to be doing for the summer with some of the young women that we work with. And so I'm totally looking forward to that. So I told you guys, she has so much going on. Um, you know, she's talking about her philanthropy work now. The Karma Foundation is her nonprofit that she founded that's dedicated to addressing the needs of women and children in her native homeland of Haiti. We mentioned her um, her legacy began in, in Haiti. And so the events that you do, that you fundraise for, uh, those monies go to support the, the folks back home in Haiti, yes? Yes, and we don't just work in Haiti. Um, I felt that for me, I remember when I first started Karma Foundation, 100%, we started back in 2006. Okay. And our focus was doing a lot of work in Haiti, and we still do a lot of work in Haiti. But I found that wherever there's help, wherever there was a need, mm -hmm. and there, there was something that Karma Foundation could do, we would do. So like, for example, the, the makeovers we did, they actually started in the tent cities in Haiti after the earthquake. We were already on the ground when the earthquake had happened. And so we were doing first aid, and we were watching what everybody was going through on a daily basis. And we wanted to do something that just make people feel regular again. And so that's when we started it. So we imagine being in the tent cities and giving these women braids and mm. giving them clothes and, you know, giving them um, feminine hygiene things. And, you know, that's what, that's where it started. And then as it grew, um, growing up in Newark, New Jersey, growing up in East Orange, you know, being born in Brooklyn, there were things right, you know, up the street from where I, I grew up, there was a enormous amount of poverty and, and a need for some of the things that we did. So we work in the inner cities of the United States. We've done um, over 250,000 pairs of shoes worldwide, including Africa and Guyana and South America. And so my whole motto is that um, Haiti is my first love and where I'm always going to 
help first and at the same time simultaneously where there is a need karma will be there yeah nice 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 and we appreciate you for what you're doing for all these um for all these women and these children you're coming up on a 20 year anniversary it sounds like so i'm sure i've been to one of your fundraisers for karma also i want to say it was at um one of the casinos in coconut creek or something like that yeah okay it was before okay. covid yeah so yeah the year before covid that was actually the last believe it or not we haven't had a fun fundraiser um since then oh would you believe due. it and we're definitely due so i used to do it for my birthday and um, i would turn my birthday into a fundraiser so by the end of this year we're going to be doing something and being in miami i think that we're going to do something around like art basil and you know in december just because there's more more folks here during that time oh, where yeah. here in june everybody's starting to leave and you know the snowbirds leave and it's a lot of traveling going on. So I think by the end of the year, I'm pretty sure the Karma Foundation will be doing a fundraiser somewhere in South Florida. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome. Whew. All right. I know I only got you for a few minutes, but I want to try to uh, squeeze some more information out of you. You are such a great interviewee. I love the information and the gems that you're dropping for folks listening I don't want to ask you all the typical cliche stuff like who's your favorite singer? What's your favorite song? You know, <laughs> um, I, I think you're sharing with us. You're being very transparent and that's what helps people the most with mental health challenges. So I really, really do appreciate you. Um, social media has been a challenge for children and teenagers, not just not just kids, but for adults, too. A lot of adults struggle with social media and social media addiction is a real thing. I'm not going to ask you about social media addiction, but I want to ask you as someone who's heavy, deep in the industry, into music and in singing and producing and writing and all these things, how has social media changed the music industry for the good and for the bad? I think, I think social media has changed the music industry for the good and for the bad. If we're going to start with, let's start with the good first. What I love about where music is now is that it's not difficult for you to find really talented artists that you would have never heard from or never heard of. You know, if you go back 20 years, if you didn't have a record company, a record deal, or if you weren't with a particular crew, and you could have been amazing, nobody would know you. Now, all you gotta do is upload your stuff, you know, get a good social media following, and you can actually, you know, sell your own songs, you know, and have your own audience and most importantly, engage with your own audience. There's no, there's no middleman anymore. So if I'm an artist and I want to get my stuff out, I don't have to worry about anybody. I could boom, upload my stuff to DistroKid, get on Instagram, get on TikTok and give it right to my fans. I think that that's beautiful. Um, now, the flip side of that is that, you know, being a songwriter and an artist, someone who, who, you know, wrote songs over the past 20 years before, um, the internet is what it is now, you know, we have to talk about how, you know, the streaming is, is, is hurting a lot of artists, you know, where you're thinking, Hey, you know, I got a million streams. And, you know, when you really do the math of a million streams, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that as a writer 20 years ago, who could have sold, if, if I, if I worked on a project that sold half a million copies, right. I still, I'm still making a lot more money than an artist today who has a million streams. 
Yeah. I you saw know, somewhere that, that a million streams was worth $4,000 or something like that on Spotify some, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really not that much, you know? So those are the things that it's, it's the good and the bad, you know? Um, now in terms of social media in general, um, you know, and having nieces grow up and stuff like that. One of the things that I try to do, and you know, I'm, I love social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm in my stories. I have a whole following of people who just follow me and my mermaids, right? I love it. At the same time too, what I do is I'll do things where I'll be like no filter, right? Yeah. This is who I am because I'm, I'm realizing that a lot of people use filters for everything. Yes. And then they yeah. don't really like who they are. Like I'll literally have my hair in little plots <laughs> and be like, Hey guys, this is who I am. You, you, you want to see all of it? Cause it's not always all dialed up and fluffy. You know, that's not really who I am all the time. And I think yeah. that there has to be a balance. And I think that we have a responsibility, uh, people like myself to people who are following us to be like, hey, look, it's not always perfect, you know, cause social media, you can paint whatever picture you want. Mm-hmm. You can make it seem perfect. You can make, the eyelashes and the hair and the nails seem perfect all the time. You could just show the perfect aspects of your life. Oh, and your relationship, hashtag me and Bay. <laughs> it's a funny joke that we say, like when people always post in their own, like I never post my personal relationship. I might post something and that's it. But my personal life in terms of my love life is very personal. And that's what I love about it. But you ever see the couple who they're always telling you everything that happens? Oh, look, look, here we're at the store. Here, boom, we just got married. Here, boom, da da. And then they break up. And yeah. there was this meme. Somebody was like, yo, keep that same energy. We want to know why you're <laughs> Yeah, spill the tea, sis. Spill the tea. Bro. Yeah, so I'm for me, you. everything is about moderation. Yeah. Yeah. And people have to understand social media is for kicks, giggles, and just having yeah. a good time. It it, it I, really ain't about, you know, you ain't supposed to be ain't, sharing everything. Nothing. Yeah. And I, I said, I, I post this every now and often now and then because I'll post some crazy stuff on my stories. Right. And people go, oh, oh, my God. Right. And then I'll go, <laughs> if you think you're going to figure out who I am by watching me on social media, you're an idiot. because that's not who I am you know this is a show yeah yeah and people just take they just take it too seriously they just take it too seriously all right so I'm gonna start to wrap it up I know you're a busy lady and you gotta get out of here um I have two questions left for you one is an important question because uh, folks may be listening who want to get into the industry who want to do this um who want to do what you're doing You know, the Bible says that God said, I got you. Just bring something to the table. I'm paraphrasing, Mm. but it basically says, I got you bring something to the table. So you can't just have God given talent. You also have to do the work. Is that true? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You have to do the work. It's like, what good is a diamond? Nobody can see. And this is something that I had to apply to myself where um, over the past couple of years, I got back into it. When I got back into it, next thing you know, I'm, I'm working on, uh, you know, I want to say I, I have songs on season three of The Shy um, with, with, with Wyclef and uh, an amazing artist um, named Avery. Um, I did work with Terrell Lake Drive. Shout out to Jerry Lamouf. But before that, it was just kind of like I was taking and I had this great talent, but I really wasn't letting people know that I'm still doing this. And I really wasn't, you know, putting in the work 
once I started doing the work, everything started like I'm I'm so busy. I have so many things coming here. This is actually my studio. After we're done talking, I'm about to go write two more songs for the end of the night to submit for some projects. But I'm working. It's it's nonstop. Like like people have nine to fives. I don't have a nine to five. I have a sun up, sundown. I have when the work start and when the work finish. And I think that that kind of drive never ends for people like me, especially when you're creative. You have to create for creation's sake, period. Let's get back to creating because that's what we do. And when you do that work, it's going to pay off. Do the work and watch it, Watch what happens. Yeah. And, you know, as a creative, as a songwriter, as a singer, as someone who um, is in tune with melodies. And you know, I mentioned this to Dear Silas. I had him on the couch a few weeks ago. Um, I was listening to an interview with uh, one of the Beatles and uh, an old interview, and he was saying how there's always something in his head, always something in his head. Yes. Yes. So you mentioned something a few moments back about always having stuff in your brain, always creating inside of yourself. Um, yeah. So that takes me to the next question. And this will be the last question. And that is, how are you balancing everything? How do you balance your music, your creativity, all the stuff? stuff the good stuff of course you have bouncing around inside of your head you know you're married you have a family you have a daughter I believe it is you have one child I have a niece daughter she's really my niece but I'm still oh, her okay got it <laughs> well you have a family you got a personal life you ain't just yeah. sitting around writing for people and singing for folks so yeah. how are you keeping balance with everything you know what it's it's so funny um my tribe I have an amazing tribe and I won't settle for anything less. I have a group of sisters who, who have my back. My best friend Valencia has been my best friend for 30 years. My best friend TC, my, my cousin Merlin, who's my best friend cousin, my little sister Rose, you know, my big brother Wyclef, you know, I have a great husband and a great best friend. Um, I actually like to call him my forever boyfriend because we're more Love boyfriend it. and girlfriend than anything else. Love Supreme. Um, you know, I have my brother, Sam, in L.A. Um, but these are the people who keep me grounded. These are the people that when I feel a little bit weak or I need a little bit of help, they're right there for me and believe in me. And I think that it's taken me a while because I have a lot of people around me. I do I have a lot of friends. But then when, when, when you get closer to my inner circle, I've gotten to the point that my inner circle is so tight and so right that it makes me tight and right. Yes, yes. I talk about that circle all the time, guys listening. She just co-signed on it. Your inner circle is pivotal. It's important. It's essential. You got to have folks in that inner circle who you can rely on, who you trust, who understand the word reciprocity, who aren't just takers, taking, 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 and never giving, and who will support you and check on you when you're drowning. Yeah. So, and, and, I tell, and I tell people, too, you know, I happen to have a, a great family. Um, I'm very close with Wyclef's wife, Claudinette. Um, she raised me. But sometimes the family that you create mm -hmm. is, is more important than the family that you came in with. That's because right. sometimes the folks you came in with are toxic. And they're Girl. not giving you the support that you need. Yes. And you might have a friend or, you know, or a teacher or a colleague that is more supportive than somebody who has the same blood with you. 
and you can't allow that to drag you down either, you know? So, so I'm lucky and I'm fortunate that I have a, a beautiful family that supports me, but I know that that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. But I'm so glad you mentioned the toxicity, even with our blood relatives, because oftentimes when I tell a patient, cut them off, what I, when I say cut them off, I know it's your family, but I just mean limit significantly your interactions with them, push right. them to the outer layer of that circle. The circle has many layers. People who are toxic do not deserve to share your space inside the circle. Amen. <laughs> push them out. So we're going to get out of here and I am going to hop on and listen to your Melky album. Um, yes. And <laughs> Folks, please go to her website, MelkyJean.Jean. I'm sorry, MelkyJean.com. There's mm -hmm. so many things from her bio that I did not include. Um, you'll hear some of these things too. If you didn't skip my introduction tonight, you'll hear a lot of the information in the introduction as well. Um, people like Melky Jean are so important because they help us to bring our lives, our feelings, our emotion um, to life. They, we, they make it a reality for us. They help to give us a way to express ourselves. And we all know music is therapy. I love music. My dad was a DJ, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, I was not born with a voice. And <laughs> one of my close friends always says, I'm so glad God didn't, didn't uh, make you a singer. He did not give you the gift to sing because you would have been a mess. And I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on. And the married name Thanks is the, the deck, right? Um, I've never changed my name after I got married. Um, so I'm still Melky Jean. Oh. Um, and um, I don't necessarily wear a wedding ring either because the ring is around my heart and around his heart. So okay. we don't necessarily, um, you know, we're not traditionalists like that. Yes. Yes. So guys, she just kind of indirectly, slyly dropped some more gems about relationships. <laughs> and I'm going to tease them out real quick before I let you off this couch. Number one was be friends. You got to be friends. You can't just get with someone because they were good in bed or they look good to you because that does not that will not sustain a relationship. You need someone you are friends with. You heard her call him her lifetime boyfriend. She called Sex. him her lifetime boyfriend. So that means they are dating all the time. The other yep. thing is tradition is not always the best move. You got to mix it up. Sometimes you can't rely on people to tell you how to live your life. So mm -hmm. bam, I'm going to leave it All at that. Facts yep. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the couch. Can you please say brain love? Can I say brain love? Brain love? Yep. Brain love. <laughs> you know, sing it. I want you to sing it. Sing brain love. Oh, you know. <laughs> it's I don't even have a voice right now. I can't, okay. I'm not even gonna do it to you. You know, okay. you, you heard you've seen me sing, you heard me sing, you know. I, I know. Sing. Oh my god, and you crushed it. All right, y'all. We out of here. Thanks for joining us on the couch tonight. Have a good Thank week, you, everybody. Oh, go ahead, Malcolm. Ciao. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need 
It's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.